Welcome to the Confident Parent Podcast, where we want to help you feel confident in your role of raising kids who have a thriving relationship with Jesus. I'm your host, Joshua Humpa. I'm the children's pastor at Oak Creek Assembly of God for the past six years and parent of two spectacular kids. Do you ever feel like that as a family, you're just getting through one day to the next? I think we've all felt that way. In this episode, we're gonna give you some tips on how to strategically use the stages, routines, and patterns that your family already has to better connect with them and lead them closer to Jesus. Our hope is that at the end of this episode, you'll feel more confident as a parent that you got this. Well, hey there, everybody. Welcome to episode two of The Confident Parent. Uh, Today, it is just me, uh, but I'm really excited about what we're going to be talking about. And I feel like this is a a foundation that can really help your family uh, move in the right direction and exactly the place that you want your family to be. And so we're calling today's episode The Three Fours of Parenting. All right, The Three Fours of Parenting. Uh, parenting, it's, it's all about strategy, right? It's like a good war, like a good, uh, good game. If you want to be a good parent, if you want to have a good family, you can't just lax off and do whatever you want to do and just hope for the best. Parenting is very much a strategy, like the game of chess. And so we have three areas with four topics in each of those areas that we think if you can master or kind of figure out how to strategize in these places, uh, man, your family is just going to be in the best possible spot uh, no matter where your child is in their growth and development. So the three fours of parenting. Um, before we jump into the, what those three fours are, uh, here's just some kind of some ideas that I want you to kind of think through. Uh, and the first is that, you know, the only unique role that we have is being a parent. So the only unique role that we have is being a parent. Uh, whatever your job is, whatever volunteer positions you might hold, uh, whatever else you do in life, somebody is going to replace you at some point. If you were to leave your job today, eventually someone would replace you. Someone else can take that job and might even do it better than you can. Probably not because you're probably the best at what you do. But whatever role you're in, somebody is going to replace that role except for being a parent. It's the only unique leadership position that we've been given that no one else can do it. Other people can try to be a parent and can even be uh, a role model example, but nobody can quite be a parent like we can. You know what, when it comes to parenting, no one's perfect. Uh, There's no perfect way to do this. You know, we're all struggling and trying to figure it out. But a good parent is intentional. And even more than intentional, it's following through on what you want. You can have good intentions and and hope that your family would get someplace and feel a certain way, that your your kids would have great memories and feelings of, of what it was like to grow up in your home. But intentions and reality are two different things. Intentions can lead us in a great place, but it's the strategic steps that we take that are going to lead us to our dream family. And kind of one last final idea to kind of help us guide through these three fours uh, is that kids are naturally seeking selfish desire. (laughs) Kids are naturally seeking a selfish desire. As you know, we don't have to teach our kids to be naughty or to think for themselves and want everything for themselves. Uh, but that's just how the world works. Whether you believe in God or not, people uh, are, are naturally born to think about themselves first. And so I think we all want to be people that think of others greater than ourselves, that we want to serve others and help people. And so in order to do that, we as parents need to help point our kids in the right direction. They're going to naturally want to stray towards themselves and towards doing sinful actions. But if we're strategic 
and we follow these steps that we're going to lay out in just a second, man, your family is going to be in the best possible place. So you ready to jump in? Let's buckle up, baby. Here are the three fours. You might want to buckle up, baby. All right, here is the first of our fours. This is the four stages of parenting. And the idea of this is that your child's life is broken up into four different categories or four different areas that they're going to go through. And that in each of these four areas, there's a different way that we want to interact with our kids and help them grow up to be who God created them to be. You know, even if you don't have a relationship with God, even if you don't believe in a God, I think you're going to agree on this list. And uh, even the way that the kids develop and the way that they think, in ways that we want to help steer them and guide them so that they make great choices and think about others first, and that we think the long term, not just on behavior, but on how we want to have a relationship with them, the type of relationship we want to have with our kids uh, long term, thinking the long end game here when their kids are adults, and in these moments. So here it is, the four stages of parenting. The first one is ages one through five, ages one through five, so birth through five years old. And this is called the discipline years. Our kids are learning here when they're three, four, five years old that they make choices and there are consequences that come from them. And they can be good consequences or they can be bad consequences, fun things that aren't fun. And so during these, these five years, the birth through five years, the discipline years, we're going to be working on disobedience, dishonesty, disrespect. You know, we want to help correct our kids when they're disobedient, when we tell them to do something and they don't do it the first time. Uh, you know, if you're a believer in Christ, uh, God calls us to obey him the first time right away. I mean, you think about classic stories like Jonah. Uh, Jonah disobeyed uh, and he completely ran away from what God told him to do. And God was very gracious. He gave Jonah another chance, but God wanted him to obey the first time. Or you think about Saul, who was the first king of Israel. Uh, Saul was real eager to get the stuff going so that they could go into battle and be prepared and ready to go. And and one of the steps they had to take uh, was to do a sacrifice. But it was taking a long time for Samuel, the prophet, to get there. And so Saul, who was the king of the time, just decided, you know what, I'm going to do the sacrifice. And at that time, according to God's, the culture and the standards that God had set up with the Israelites for thousands of years ago, that was a big no-no. And so when Saul did that, Samuel came up and said, dude, what are you doing? God would much rather have you obey than offer a sacrifice or say you're just sorry. God would want obedience the first time. So we want to help our kids when they're dishonest. We want to help point them in the right direction because when they're dishonest, trust is broken. And then with disrespect, you know, if we're going to put others first, then disrespect is an absolute no way Jose. We want our kids to respect people and to think highly of other people, to have value in other people the same way that Jesus values us. And so what I want to encourage you is in your house, when it comes to disobedience, dishonesty, and disrespect, that those three areas we really focus on in these first five years to help our kids understand the importance of them and the significance of it. And then on the flip side of that, celebrate obedience. Celebrate when our kids are honest with us and then absolutely hold them up on a pedestal when they're showing respect. One of the ways that we try to practice this in my home is with my three-year-old daughter, Chloe. We came up with this little jingle. Uh, Ready? Here it is. I don't have a great singing voice, but you're going to hear it. Listen and obey the first time right away. Here it is again, because it's pretty good. Ready? Listen and obey the first time right away. So we tell our daughter that to listen and obey the first time right away. And that if we have to ask her to do something again, a second time, then there's 
automatically going to be a consequence associated with that. And it could be a, a number of things. Just depends on what the ask was. It could be uh, a small consequence or it could be something major for the, for the rest of the evening. A consequence that she understands that she disobeyed, that we as her parents uh, have asked her to do something and she didn't do it the first time. And kind of the goal with that is that, hey, if God tells us to do something, we've got to do it the first time. God doesn't want us to be given these second, third, fourth chances. God wants us to obey the first time. Okay, so that's the first the first section, years one through five. And then we move on to the years five through 12. And these are called the why years. These are the years where we're explaining the whys behind the choices. We're teaching the why behind the what. We're connecting behavior to the broader world. We're helping them to, to understand why, why, why when I ask you to do this, do I expect you to do it the first time right away? You know, why, when you're dishonest, why does that hurt us? Why does that break our relationship? Why does that create mistrust, um, kind of this broken, um, unable to communicate with each other from able to be able to have a strong relationship with you? Why, when you disrespect somebody, does it lower their value as a person? And what happens when we disvalue people? Um, so we want to communicate the whys. We want to help them understand between age 5 and 12, um, more than just disciplining and giving them a consequence because because of what they did, but more on that, building on top of that, explaining the why. Why is this important to us? Why do we value honesty, obedience, and respect? And the next, and this is probably the scariest for, for most parents, this is the 12 to 18 teenage years. And these are the connecting years. Now, this is a hard season um, for me as a teenager. Uh, <laughs> It was a hard time for my parents. I was young and reckless, as I like to call it. But a good parent, kind of the goal that we want for these years, is to be on the sidelines. And we want to connect more than we are correcting. We want to connect more than we are correcting. And that doesn't mean that we're afraid to come in and you know help our kid out when they need, need to figure out decisions and understand consequences and they, they need to be disciplined, absolutely. But more than that, it's helping to connect with them, to help them understand who God created them to be, and then how to develop into that. You know, so as we build on these building blocks of discipline and then helping them understand the whys, this is the years where our kids are going to have to face real-life consequences. And this is hard. This is really tricky. There is no, again, there's no, like, perfect, exact, do it exactly this way for parenting. You'll get it right every single time. But when it comes to the years 12 to 18, it's all about helping them understand that there's real consequences in the real world that are going to take place. Uh, and sometimes we have to let them just, uh, we have to allow for those natural consequences to take place. And it's hard, right? It's hard to watch our kids go through that. Uh, it's embarrassing a lot of times for ourselves as well when our kid is just acting a fool. And there's times to definitely step in. There's times that we definitely need to come in and help our kids make the right choice, M give them consequences and boundaries, but also connect with them. Let them know that you're there for them. You're there to lead them and to guide them, to be there with them. More as a parent, not necessarily as a friend yet, but you're there to connect with them. It's the in-between stage between disciplining and explaining the why and then leading into the next stage, which is 18 and on when they're adults. And this is the friendship years. You move from the 12 to 18 age range to um, them being adults. I think for all of us as parents, we want the goal to be to be friends with our kids when they're adults that we want our kids to want to hang out with us, to spend time with us, that they, they want to come home for holidays, they want to call us and ask us for, for wisdom or what we would do, and we want them to spend time with us. And so 
we'll be able to get those 18 and on years as friends if during these first 18 years, we really are intentional and strategic. So again, ages one through five are the discipline years. Five through 12 are the why years. 12 through 18, it's connecting with them. It's spending time with them. It's making sure that they know that we love them, allowing for natural consequences, less harder and stricter on them, still definitely a parent influencer, but the intention is to help lead them into um, being an adult and understanding the real life consequences that come. So that is the first of our fours, the first of our fours. Ready to move on to our next set of fours? What's great is these are all going to help you connect together. Uh, These are all going to connect together, and this is going to be great for your family. So here we go. Buckle up, baby. Let's go on to our second of our fours. You might want to buckle up, baby. The next fours is the four routines of every family. The four routines of every family. Now, we're diving deeper into how, during these four different seasons, you can connect with your kid, uh, no matter how busy, how stressed, no matter how rich, how poor you are in the season, no matter if it's newborn, if it's teenage, these next four routines every family goes through. And if you will leverage these routines, man, I promise you that you will have an incredible way to connect with your kid and leverage the times that your family naturally has, no matter what you're going through, as a way to connect with them and to lead them closer to Jesus. All right, so here are the four routines of every family. Are you ready? It's drive time, eating time, play time, and bedtime. Again, it's drive time, eat time, play time, bedtime. Now, these four routines are something that every single family has. And I'm sure as you're thinking through it, you're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. We're always driving in the car together. We eat together. Every family's got to eat. Play time. Yep, my kids have play time. And bedtime. Now, these routines are a lot easier when you have kids that are in the the 12 and under stage to connect with them. But this still is applicable when you have kids in the teenage years as well. And so for a lot of this, we're going to talk about it from the age of 12 and under uh, because it's a lot easier to talk through that. But if you have a a kid that's a teenager, I'm sure that as you hear these, you'll be able to figure out ways that you can leverage these routines in your schedule to connect with your kid and then help them understand how much you love them and how much Jesus loves them as well. So let's talk about drive time. Every family has drive time where you're in the car together. And for most families today, they're spending a significant amount of time in the car. And what's great about that is that you're in a closed, confined space where no one else can interrupt what you're doing. And this is a time where you can connect with your kid every day and even create patterns that you do every single time you're in the car, either on a way to a specific place, or this is what we do on Monday, Wednesday, Thursdays, but you can leverage your drive time to be a time where you as a parent lead your kid deeper into a relationship with Jesus and together. So let's kind of talk about some things that you can do in drive time. You know, one thing I would encourage you to do is take away phones, iPads, all that stuff, and use drive time as a time where you're together. You know, if you're driving your kids to sports, there's a lot of time that they're on the field and that you're not with them. But during the drive time, either to or from, man, that's a special time that you have with them to connect with them. So make sure the phones are away, the iPads and stuff, and talk. Come up with some questions that you can connect with your kid about every single day. You know, sometimes you might be asking your kid, you know, what did you enjoy about this? Or what did you think about this? Or what did you learn today? And the response can be, I don't know. And that's so frustrating because it's like, yes, you do. You do know. You just don't want to talk to me, it seems like. 
Uh, but I encourage you that the more that you continue to do this and leverage this time, the easier it'll become and the more, more routine it will become. Taking time every day to memorize a verse can do so much for your family. If you have kids that are younger, the five to zero age, on Spotify and Apple Music, they have uh, Bible stories that are, are illustrated, like radio dramas that can really come to life with your kids. And so if you just pop that on, it's a 10-minute uh, story about the Bible, about a Bible character, about Jesus. Man, you, can, you have a perfect opportunity for the rest of your drive to talk about what you guys just heard and what you guys learned and then how, you can, how your child can apply that truth to their life. Find things in the drive time that you can do it that you have in common. You know, it's very easy for one person in the car to like a certain type of music and someone else like something else. But this is a great time to come together, to listen to each other's music, put on positive and encouraging music that will build up your family and not just sit in silence, but instead do stuff together. Come up with some games that you can do in the car that you just, you have every single time that you're in the car on the, on the way to this place, this is the game that we play. Or have restaurants or coffee breaks or ice cream stops that every time we drive at this point, we're going to stop and do this together as a family. So I encourage you, leverage your drive time because we all have it and we spend a lot of times in our car, which is perfect because then we can spend it together with our kids. Next is eat. All of us got to eat. Now, because a lot of us are so busy, more and more we're becoming families that eat out of a window. My brother-in-law, he likes to say, if it doesn't come out of a window, I don't eat it. I think that is hilarious. It's so funny. But for a lot of us, that's the truth, is that more and more we're eating food that's fast, quick, because uh, we're on the go. But I want to encourage you to do this. We have to eat. So schedule time around the dinner table and put it on your calendar. You know, people don't argue with your calendar. If you put something on the calendar and somebody says, hey, you want to do this on this time or this date? But if you've already scheduled stuff, people aren't going to say, well, what's on your calendar? Show me your calendar. Come on, let me see what you got. I don't believe that you're busy this day. But if you schedule time to sit down as a family at your dinner table to connect and spend time together, you're really going to see the fruit of that. And the point of our eating time is not to eat, but instead to connect with each other. Schedule this week at least two to three times where you're sitting together to share a meal. It's not this rush real quick, eat as fast as you can, but instead... A time where you're together to eat and be together. Next is playtime. Now, if you have younger kids, uh, there's a lot more playtime going on where your kids are, are active and all over the house. And if you have teenagers, they're probably more likely to stay in their room. But every family has some routine, some part of their day where there's some sort of rest or homework time. What I want to encourage you is to, to again, leverage that time so that playtime is together time. You're going to have time where you're going to have to do the kids are going to have to do homework. So why don't you all do homework in the living room together close by? When you're playing, be intentional about using that opportunity to, again, going back to what we want to teach and instill within our kids, obedience, honesty, and respect towards each other. You know, when we identify that we have a playtime, we know that we can use that as an opportunity to connect with our kids and to lead them closer to Jesus and to who he wants them to be. Man, it's going to be so much easier to do that. And then finally is bedtime. If you have kids that are 12 and younger, this is going to be such a special time every night. Most likely you have some sort of routine where you either pray or read the Bible or, you know, you're showering, brushing teeth, getting ready for bed. And this is a time where you can very easily connect with your kid. I have this app on my phone that we use at, at bedtime called the Family Prayer App. It's free. Um, I have an iPhone and so I know that's on the App Store. And it's great because, you know, as we pray with our kids, sometimes the prayer becomes the same thing over and over again. Uh, but we pray with our daughter and our son every night, and uh, we read the Bible. 
And with this app, there's four kind of kind of four sections, four colors, and four different areas help keep your your prayers alive and active. And so there's one that says, "Tell God He's great." Another one that says, "Say you're sorry." Uh, another that says, "Ask God." And then last, say thank you. And so when you click on one of those icons, it gives you uh, it gives you a new suggestion on how to pray according to that theme. And my daughter, her prayers have just transformed because of it, and she loves to do it, partly because it's on the phone, but also because it's a fresh way to help her pray. So again, that app is called the Family Prayer App. It's a free app. It's a wonderful tool that you can use. But bedtime, that's a special time as the family is winding down to connect, to use that as an opportunity to instill the truth of Jesus with your family. I heard this really smart advice that has really changed the way that I interact with my kids in the morning. I don't know about you, but it feels like my family is always in a rush in the morning uh, and there's always a ticking time bomb going off and where we got to get off the, out of the door and if we don't go now, things are going to explode. Oh no. And so we can get really tense and stressed in our house sometimes. And so what can happen is, is that we wake up and we're instantly upset with our family, <laughs> with our kids because, come on, we got to go now. Let's go. Uh, but this advice that I heard was that, you know, when you f- the first interaction that you have with your kid, to love on them, to give them a big hug, to let them know that you love them, say a big, cheerful good morning, even if you are super stressed. But that the first thing that they wake up to is this positive, uh, encouraging, warm feeling from their parent. And so for us, what I've tried to do is very intentionally, my, my daughter's going to be one of those teenagers that hits the snooze button 12 times, but I have to kind of get her, get her going a couple of times for her to wake up. But when I first go in, I, I give her a big hug and a big kiss, and I say good morning real sweet and tell her I love her, ask her how she's doing, if she needs a minute. Uh, and then from there, it's like, come on, let's go, let's go, let's go, <laughs> sometimes. But I want to be intentional about saying hello, greeting her nicely and warmly. And then the same with my son. I pick him up and give him a big squeeze and a big kiss, say good morning. And it's changed me. It's changed me from the inside that I'm much more likely to be patient with my kids instead of starting off that way. All right, so that is our second set of fours. We are moving on to the third and final four of today. Are you ready? Here we go. You might want to buckle up, baby. All right, here's our final four. It is the four signs of personal spiritual growth. Again, it's the four signs of personal spiritual growth. You know, if you're a believer in Jesus and you're trying to lead your family closer to Jesus so that they have a relationship with God and that they make it to heaven, this next part is going to be really helpful for you. These are four ways that you know if you do these things, your kid is absolutely for sure going to grow in their faith. Some of it they have to do on their own, and some of it we have to really initiate and strategize to make sure that it's getting done. But if all four of these things are being done on a regular basis, I guarantee you your kid is going to grow spiritually. All right, are you ready for it? Our first one of our four signs of personal growth is that your child is having private devotions. Now, devotions are spending quality time with God. That's through reading the Bible. That's through praying. That's through connecting with God one-on-one. You know, once our kids can start talking and thinking for themselves, they're ready. They're ready to connect with God. And going back to what we said in the beginning, you know, our kids are selfish. They are not going to want to do this on their own, most likely. We're going to have to really prod them and lead them and set them up for success in this area. But if we'll push our kids to have personal time with God, even if it's like you you have to do this before you can play, man, your family, I'm telling you, it's going to be better because of this. Man, I'd really encourage you, if you're not having private devotions yourself, really get that into your schedule. Get that into your everyday habits because not only will it transform your life, but you will be able to influence your children's life. 
here at Oak Creek Assembly of God uh, for elementary kids, we give them every single Sunday this book called a SOAP journal. Now, SOAP stands uh, for scripture, observation, application, prayer. And basically, it's just a way for them to, to read the verse, the scripture, and then be able to break down that verse, understand it, uh, write down or draw how they understand it, what God wants them to do with that, and then pray. And we encourage our kids to do this every day and that if they do, they will honestly they'll grow because having a relationship with Jesus is connecting with him. And so that is the first sign of personal growth, personal spiritual growth is private devotions. Next is being taught Jesus's truth. Now this can be done in a number of ways, but the most easy way to do that is by bringing them to church. At church, they're going to learn about the Bible. They're going to learn about who Jesus is and who he created your kids to be. You know, we can have this one-on-one devotion time, but we also need outside people to speak to us and help us kind of understand the direction that God is leading us in. And so I encourage you, make church a regular habit. There needs to be uh, Jesus' truth taught to your kids and to you as a family. And if that's happening, your kid's going to grow. Your kid's going to be more who God created them to be. Thirdly is godly friendships. As you know, friends are such a major influence on your kids and and all of our lives. And so we want our kids to have godly relationships. You know, they're going to naturally have friends at school. If you go to a a secular school, they're going to have friends at school because they're with them all the time. And, you know, a lot of these kids are probably good. They're probably fine. They're probably great kids, um, great families. But if their family's not built uh, on a relationship with Jesus, you know, the dynamics aren't going to be the same. You know, the same values aren't going to be communicated. Um, The growth isn't going to happen that you know, God wants to happen in their lives. So I'd really encourage you, surround your kid with godly relationships, godly friendships. That can very easily happen at your church. You know, for us at our church, one of our main goals every single service is for kids to connect with each other. We want friendships to take place here. I grew up at the church that I'm serving at now um, since I was a baby, and, and my best friends were the friends that I had here at church. My dad played drums on the worship team, and so he was here all the time, and so I was here with him. And one of my best friends growing up, his dad was also on the worship team as the, as the lead singer. And man, we have great memories together. We definitely got into trouble and we were goofballs. But my church friends were really the people that helped me grow in my relationship with God, helped keep me accountable uh, and me them. And I'm so thankful for my church friends that my parents really made that an important part of my life, that my church friends were important. And my parents wanted me to spend time with my friends that loved God. So I encourage you, surround your kid with godly friends. Push them into opportunities and environments where there's going to be Christian kids and watch and see what God does through that. Then finally, and the four signs of personal growth, if you get all these things done, the fourth one, the last one, then your kid's going to grow spiritually. The last one is this, a personal ministry. You know, Jesus gives us this law. Basically, if you're a Christian, this is the one law that we have. It's to love others the way that Jesus loved us. And to do that, it means that we have to act out love. It means that we have to serve others, not to be served, but to serve. And so that can happen anywhere. That can happen when you're, when you're at the restaurant and there's somebody trying to get through the door and your kid goes and opens the door for them. That's serving someone. It could be at church. It could be working in the tech area or helping in the nursery with babies. It could be you as a family going and doing some, it could be you as a family going with some organization in the city and making a difference in people's lives. But part of being a follower of Christ is serving others and having a personal ministry. And so we want to help our kids understand that serving is part of being a Christ follower and giving them opportunities to do that. So let me go through the four signs of personal spiritual growth again. It's having private devotions, being taught Jesus's truth, godly friendships, and personal ministry. If you're making sure that these four things are happening in your kid's life, 
your family will be changed for forever. And your kids, they're going to grow spiritually. They're going to have a solid foundation on Jesus Christ. There's no way up but to grow. So there it is, the three fours of parenting. That's the four stages of parenting and kind of the goals that we want to accomplish in each of those different stages. That's the four routines that every family has that we want to leverage those opportunities to influence our kids to love Jesus and connect with them. And then finally, leading our kids spiritually, the four signs of personal spiritual growth. I really hope that you were able to take some wisdom out of these and that your family will be set up for success. For some, this might feel like it was drinking out of a fire hose. I hope not. But if so, I encourage you, listen to this podcast again. Maybe take notes the next time. And I really hope that the Holy Spirit was speaking to you and giving you ideas on what you could do in your family as we went through this list so that you could be strategic with your family in leading them, connecting with them, and setting up your family so that when they're grown, you can be friends and that they love Jesus. Again, parenting is the only unique role that you have, and it's tough. It means being strategic and having a plan. But let me encourage you, you got this. Take each day one step at a time. And with God's help, your family can be the family of your dreams. Today, we hope you feel more confident in your role as a parent and that your family's best days are ahead. Subscribe right now so that you'll always be the first to hear new content from the Confident Parent Podcast. And if you're excited about this, please let somebody know. You can send them a text right now about it. Our podcast will grow as you rate and review. So as episodes come out, please share with the world what you think. Oak Creek Assembly of God is a church in Oak Creek, Wisconsin. And if you live anywhere in the Milwaukee area, we invite you to come join us on our Sunday morning services at 8 and 10.30 a.m. or Wednesdays at 7 p.m. We're all in when it comes to kids, and we know that your kids are going to love it. Hope to see you here soon. There's no perfect way to parent, and all of us are trying to figure out how to do this. We're praying for you and believing that the best is yet to come for your family.